Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hey, Em. Another throwback episode. How are you feeling over there? I'm so excited that we get to talk about this and also so excited because I feel like this is a more appropriate audience to freak out about how weird it was that Lamar commented on Chloe's photo. You know, it was the weirdest fucking thing ever. I honestly think that we simmered it down for the main episode. Like for me personally, I obviously thought the comment in of itself was crazy. The fact that it happened in the first place was just wild. But the fact that it happened while we were literally mid-wedding recap is just bizarre to me. Nothing was more validating than when we started to get DMs from people that listen to the bonus show being like, okay, guys, I'm not saying there's any correlation, but this is kind of weird because then for a second, you don't feel crazy. It was kind of weird. Like it was obviously very much just a major coincidence, but a weird coincidence. (laughs) Can I be so honest? Like I would have never said this on Monday's episode. That you thought that it was on purpose? Obviously, rationally, let the record show. I do not think that Lamar Odom commented that because of our podcast. That being said, it's Lamar. It's not the craziest thing. Like The thought definitely stayed in my head for a few minutes of like, did he somehow stumble upon this episode? Not to sound crazy, but I'm just being honest. I don't think it's the craziest thing that he would have either stumbled across it or somebody would have told him about it or he would have seen something about it because... I just don't think he has that much to do on the internet right now. And I don't think it's the craziest thing that had happened. And it's not like Chloe seeing it. No, we obviously know that that would be out of the question. But if Lamar stumbled upon it or Lamar commented that because for somehow commented it because of what we were doing, it wouldn't have anything to do with our podcast. It would just have to do with the fact that Lamar probably has this inability to move on from Chloe and wants to consume all of the Lamar and Chloe content that he can get his hands on. (laughs) You know what? That's the story we're sticking with. 
I love it. I don't think it is the craziest story. I don't either. I just, I wouldn't have probably, I definitely wouldn't have said it on Monday's episode. I was embarrassed to even say the thought out loud because again, I don't think it happened, but it did stay in my mind for a little while. So I'm glad that we have outwardly said that to one another. I'm glad too. I feel very safe and very heard. Do you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, guys. Season four, we are back post-wedding. We're settling into the normal season. Kim is our narrator. And this first scene, it's all of them having dinner. And it basically just centers around the fact that, as we know, Kim is trying desperately to not show it, but she's upset. She says in her confessional, you know, I definitely feel a little bit of pressure now that Chloe's married and Courtney's having a baby. You know, I've always had my plan. And right now I don't have a plan. And it's very evident that she doesn't have a plan. And it's very evident that her panic is very existent, yet also trying to be suppressed. Yeah, clearly very much so. And again, I know we brought this up when we were talking about it during the wedding episode, but you really do see here how the Chris Humphreys of it all came to be. I think that's probably my favorite thing about rewatching some of the old episodes. It's not even that you will get a direct answer in a certain episode or in a certain season, but it's more so you get such a clear mental path as to how they got to the decision that they got to. Oh, absolutely. And It's one thing to hear Kim talk about it after the fact, after Chris Humphreys was done and kind of explain her rationale of, you know, I really just wanted to be married. I thought this was what I wanted. I saw what my sisters had and felt like I need to do that too. It's one thing to hear that all after the fact. When you're watching it before Chris Humphreys' name is even mentioned in the first place and Kim is saying all of the same things, that's when you can really, really understand it and like believe every word that she is saying because she was already saying it far before this occurred. Well, that's what I was going to say. It kind of makes you believe her story. Not that we didn't believe her story, but so many people think that it was all done really just for more fame surrounding it and for the wedding special. And like, no, that didn't hurt. As she said, maybe she wouldn't have gone through with it if all of that didn't exist surrounding it. But that wasn't the driving force. The driving force was trying to catch up with her sisters and also catch up with the mental plan that she had mapped out in her mind. Right, exactly. So we're now at Chloe's hotel because keep in mind, her and Lamar are currently living in a hotel. She's half and half, I think, still living in the old Calabasas ranch since it hasn't actually been sold yet. But primarily, they're staying at this hotel. And they're kind of just talking about how she's going to need to start going house hunting, which I forgot that we get to watch that whole process throughout this season because obviously, as we know, there's a whole Chloe and Lamar spinoff. And that house, like the physical home, became such a centerpiece of not only the Kardashians, but also pop culture for a few years. You want to know what I found out today? What? I, I This might be common knowledge, but I didn't know until I was just researching the house do you know who bought that house from them? I, I'm i going to know it once you say it. Who did? Kaylee Cuoco. Yes. But does she still live there? I feel like she sold it. No, she sold it. And I think it probably became a news story after that because all the headlines were like, Kaylee Cuoco sells the house that she bought from Chloe and Lamar. How random. So random, but like weirdly, it's only random because I feel like the location of it was kind of random. Like if it was a Hidden Hills home or if it was another... Beverly Hills home wouldn't be so crazy, but the location of it was a little bit random for it to be purchased by Kaylee Cuoco. What's funny is that obviously something we know about Hollywood is that they're constantly house swapping. We see that happen all the time, but I have to wonder, and this doesn't just apply to Hollywood. I mean, you could say the same thing about the person who 
would buy a house that was on The Real Housewives. I wonder what it's like to live in a home that has been so heavily documented on reality television. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I loved Chloe and Lamar's house. Loved. It was one of my favorite homes. I did too. Although I don't know if I can say with 100% certainty that it was the house I loved and not the vibe that was kind of created within the house. No, I specifically love the house. The ivy in the back, remember? And the columns in the front. You're okay. You're right. I think it was also the structure of the house. The thing that I was also going to say before we even get into the episode is that something that I never really thought about until I was watching it, this specific episode, is it's so crazy that Chloe was the first one of them to have a home. Like Kim was still living in the apartment at this time. Uh, Courtney and Scott were living in the condo. Like Chloe, out of all of them, was the first one to purchase a house. Yes, it is really interesting. And also in the scene that we were just talking about when they're you know, kind of just discussing the process of house hunting that they're about to go on. She makes a comment like, I'm just so excited to create this home for me and Lamar. And I feel like each one of the kids, extravagance aside, because that always is just the kind of common denominator, they genuinely love the act of creating a home. I think Kendall was the one that said it in her Architectural Digest video. Like Chris really instilled that in them, just little things that you have in the house that really makes it special and makes it a home. And that's an act that they really enjoy. Whereas you can have all the money in the world and creating a warm home environment is not something you personally want to do. Whereas I genuinely think it's something they all take joy in. Totally, except I will say at the time specifically, if you were going to take Chloe and Kim, Kim would be looking for a house. Chloe would be looking for a home. Yes. Beautifully said. Thank you. I don't know if I even agree with this as I say it, but it was the first thought that came to my mind, so I'm just going to say it out loud. There's a part of me that still thinks that that sentiment holds true meaning. Obviously, Kim cares so much about her home and it being aesthetically pleasing and it being beautiful and welcoming and a bunch of other things. And she has all of the little things to make it feel like a home. However, there are certain things that Chloe does, like with the cookie jars or just, I feel like, baking herself and making it kind of this display that that's not necessarily up Kim's alley. So I feel like in a way, you could make the same argument today. Does that make any sense to you? It does make sense. I think that their homes serve different purposes. Like Kim has spoken about what she wants her house to be and represent. And obviously having this massive property and this insane home is a piece of that. But also Kim loves the element of having that gym and that every single person comes out and works out in that gym every morning. And there's always people there. Kim loves the fact that the house is so minimalistic. So amid all of the chaos in her life, her home gets to be that calming space. Like, I think that obviously the priorities that Kim had at the time then versus now is different in terms of that whole home versus house discussion. I think the the things about it being on such a grand scale are so important to her still, but there's little elements within that that are more important to her now that wouldn't have been important to her then. Right. I think that really does make sense. And also, listen, part of that has to come from the fact that she has a family now. It, it, it naturally serves a different purpose. Right. Exactly. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. 
So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So we're at Chris's house now. It's Courtney, Chloe, Chris, Kim, and Rob. And this kind of introduces the plotline of the episode where pretty much nobody is on good terms with Scott, or I guess I should say, not that they're not on good terms, but they don't view him that favorably, specifically Chris and Chloe. And Courtney kind of briefs the group by saying, please guys, just be nice to Scott. He's, you know, I just need you to give him a chance. And Kim says, I'm never too mean to him. And in her confessional, Courtney says, I want my family to just treat Scott with respect. My mom treats Scott like he's the hired helper. If Lamar comes over, she doesn't ask him to do anything. It's only Scott. And then, of course, Scott enters, Chris is making dinner, and immediately she asks him to come over and help, which, of course, was kind of dramatized. And we see the whole scene where he drops a plate and Chris absolutely loses it on him. But staged or not, this was very representative of what was actually going on at the time, dynamic-wise. Oh, absolutely, especially with Chloe and him. I mean, Chris, too, and the Chris we know now, especially her relationship with Scott, it is so off-brand to see the way she reacted to him. But Chloe specifically during this time was like an entirely different human being. I think, and I'm sure this is not totally accurate, but out of all of the episodes that we have watched thus far, this was probably in my top three of the moments where I say to myself, wow, Chloe was a different human being. Up there with the most recent episode we did when Chris showed her the wedding dress and her first response was that was the ugliest fucking thing I've ever seen. The way she is to Scott, this episode specifically is just, it's so confusing to me. Well, in her confessional, Courtney says, I don't think it's fair the way everyone treats Scott. Scott's the father of my baby, so they have to get along with him or else they're not going to be involved. And she then says to the group, if you guys don't start being nice to Scott, we're not going to come here. I don't need to come here. You don't need to see my child. I just want everybody to remember Think about that statement and the way that they were treating Scott, whether it was you know dramatized for the show or not, at the time when Courtney was this pregnant versus the way they have continued to just maintain that they have to treat Tristan a certain way because he is True's dad, which again is technically like the quote right thing, but it just shows you how that was not always instilled in them. I guess it was as the years went on and the fathers of their children behaved in ways that were less than desirable. Maybe they learned this behavior of this was a pattern they needed to follow of kind of just like supporting them and sticking with them regardless because it did not start out this way. No, it definitely didn't. And I think Scott kind of set the tone for that because no matter what happened with Scott, 
no one ever didn't want him to be a father. No one ever didn't want him to have a place in the family and help him to get better. And that is clearly not the case when you see these beginning episodes and you see prior to Mason being born. But I feel like there was a switch once Mason was born where everyone kind of understood that for the sake of this baby and for the sake of the children, like that's how they need to act. And it's it's presumably easier to do that once the child is actually in the picture versus before. Right. I guess, honestly, that was the shifting force, actually having a child. I guess it really didn't stick in their minds during pregnancy. Right. So next scene is Caitlin and Scott. And this is when Scott comes over to the house. He wants to use the pool. And in her confessional, Caitlin says, Scott, you know, nice guy, but he's not motivated and he doesn't have direction. He just kind of wanders through life. And at this point, Chris and Caitlin are in the kitchen. They look outside. They, of course, see Scott sunbathing. And this is when Chris says to Caitlin, honestly, he needs to get a job. It's really bugging me. And in her confessional, Chris says, as a mom, I just want what's best for my daughter. And I think Scott really needs to step it up. This is something that is not discussed enough because when we think back on the early days of Courtney and Scott and even not the early days, just all of the kind of turmoil they've been through, him not having a stable job or a job that was viewed as desirable by the family that's never a topic of conversation. It's always his relationship with drugs and alcohol, his cheating on Courtney, and his general kind of chaotic behavior. But the working thing is never, I feel like, the main point of conversation. Don't you kind of feel that way? I mean, when you put it like that, why would it be? (laughs) No, but I'm just saying at the time, the issue that they're having with him in this particular moment, in this season, it wasn't anything else other than really how unmotivated he was. Right. For Chloe, it's different. Chloe has a whole slew of things, but you're 100% right. For Chris and Caitlin specifically, it has so much to do with Scott not being motivated. But I will say something that's interesting is that during the last season of Kardashians, when they were having the dinner where they're talking about Scott and Courtney getting back together and, and Scott says that thing about, no, like Courtney knows that one day we'll get married and have a good life, et cetera. Scott makes a a point to say, I don't know what more Courtney wants me to do. I've done all the things she's asked. I have a job. I have a career. I have a path. Like he specifically emphasizes that point in the most recent season, which I always thought was interesting because I was like, this hasn't been something that has been brought up in so long. So it's so interesting that you felt the need to emphasize your financial stability. That actually is very interesting because I have to wonder if... There was a conversation that they had, obviously not on camera, where she basically said to him, you know, your main source of income is coming from the show, which there's nothing wrong with, but kind of something to the effect of like, you're only in that because of me and my family type of vibe, meaning like, I want you to do something kind of separate, which is where the home flipping businesses come in or talentless, which yes, of course, was heavily promoted by the Kardashians. I think we all think about it under the Kardashian umbrella, but in Courtney's mind, it probably was a totally different venture. Right. And at this point in time, like, I mean, now, currently, his opportunities coming from being under the Kardashian umbrella, I don't think any of them have an issue with that. I think they welcome that and embrace that and want that for him. At this time, that's what's so specifically off-brand about the way the family is operating is the Kardashians, as we know now, specifically Chris would have said, okay, 
let's help you figure this out. Let's sit down and make a list of things that you are passionate about and let's try and turn that into something. Instead, what you have going on here is Chris just automatically counting him out. And that is, again, not the Chris that we know now. Chris would never let that fly now in the sense of she would not be okay with him not having a job or a career or a drive, but she also wouldn't let it go without doing something to intervene. Right. But I think the biggest shift there is that Chris would never have brought someone under her umbrella of management, or even if she wasn't formally managing them, under her umbrella of kind of like business help or advice, unless she felt fully confident with them as a human being and with their competency and with their business sense and with the way that they interacted professionally. So I feel like you know, she didn't want to touch anything that Scott had to do with, even if the end result would have been more financial stability or him actually making more money. It was like, you are not at the level yet where I even want to involve myself with helping you because I don't agree with the way that you lead your life. It's both the level and the not considering him family at this point. Yeah. Also, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but the Instagram that Travis just posted, it's a four slide of him and Courtney in Vegas. And it's like three blurry pictures in the last one. Look at it right now. You guys are, by the time this episode comes out, you guys will see it. The last slide is him holding her feet. I don't know why. For some reason, seeing these photos, maybe it's because they're not as like PDA, they're holding hands, but it's not so sexual. I just got such a good vibe from them. Like they just look so happy here. Do you see this first photo? I They look so happy. And by the way, with that fourth photo, if Travis is anything like his front MGK, that's the most sexual picture of all of them. Right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just a little side note. You guys know which photo we're talking about by the time this episode comes out, but we'll put the link anyway. Okay. You want to go to Courtney and Chloe at Dash? Sure. Why not? Are you having fun? I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we're at Dash, and this is when Chloe's basically just giving Courtney a hard time saying, you know, I never really see you now that Scott's back in the picture. And Courtney says, Chloe, just because you and Lamar aren't together 24-7 like we are, don't get jealous. And, you know, they're joking back and forth, but really the root of this is Courtney feeling like every time I see you, you're rude to Scott, so why would I want to bring you guys together? And yes, I'm spending a lot of my time with him. I mean, I'm very pregnant. Obviously, it's the father of my child. So there's a really clear disconnect happening between them because Chloe is listening to what Courtney is saying, but I don't know if she's really hearing the core of her message, which is like, unless you get your shit together with Scott, we are never going to be able to have as much time together as we used to. You're so right about it being so crazy, the difference in the way they treated the father of the children then versus now. It would just never be like that now. I mean, they literally were as relatively calm as could be in the delivery room with Tristan versus Scott right now when they're back together with a child and Scott hasn't technically done anything wrong since that point of being back together other than their perception of him being lazy or not driven. But that's mostly coming again from Chris and Caitlin, not really from Chloe. Chloe is a whole thing of issues with him that have nothing to really do with that at all. I hate to be like this because I feel like this is exactly what's a troll on Twitter would say. So I, I hope obviously if you listen, you know, it's not coming in that same way, but I can't help specifically as I was watching this episode. And I guess it was maybe because the Tristan stuff is so fresh in my mind of seeing how hard Chloe is on Scott and how unwilling she is to even remotely budge for things that he has done and apologized for. And 
how this persona has just shifted over the years. And obviously we see what she has been through with men and that's not a, a diss at her by any means, but you, it's not often that you get to see such a stark contrast like this. And I guess the one thing that you could always say about anyone, even if they wasn't the Kardashians, is that it's always different when it's happening to someone else versus when it's happening to you. And of course, with Tristan, there was a child involved and it's a very different story. But I am no longer able to watch this episode without that lens of Chloe's unintentional hypocrisy. No, it's impossible. We were talking about that even prior to this when they were in Miami and she was so terrible to him when the, you know, the last couple of episodes of, I think it was season three, like this has been a consistent for Chloe. And it's something that we've spoken about so much. And I've, I've definitely seen TikToks about it being like, how do you not carry the same energy? And I, I think what it comes down to more than anything else at the end of the day is even though Chloe's married here, Chloe is so young at this point. Like she's basically our age, Em. And I just think that at this point in her life, she was so much more jaded to like the realities of the world. Like I think that she had just a very trusting view of the world and the way that people in relationships treat one another sometimes. And so I think what happened here was like she has such a strong view of how somebody should act and there was no ability to deviate from that. Until it happened to her and it was like, okay, there's got to be some room for leeway here because I can understand what it's like to love somebody so much that you can allow them to make mistakes and still go back to them. Mm -hmm. I just think she hadn't been in love in that sense before. And again, a lot of people will say like, you know, that shouldn't matter. You still shouldn't like accept that behavior just because you're in love. I agree to an extent. I just think when it hasn't happened to you ever, it's so much easier to say than actually do. Versus when it does happen and you can put yourself in that person's shoes finally. So my response to that is that I think that's a really great point and I very much agree with it. I want to offer an additional one that I feel like people could have, which is on top of that, either additionally or separate, do you think there's a correlation between kind of her drop in confidence as the seasons went on and what she would allow. What do you mean? Meaning, do you think that, of course, there's one thing to be said for when you've never had that deep feeling of love and until it happens to you, and we know all that, like you just said, and I think that's a really fair point. On top of that, I guess I just wonder, is there anything here where it's like, because also as the seasons went on, her confidence lessened and lessened, as we know, based on what she factually said in the interview with Andy. And so that's another reason that she was more accepting of the very thing that she so forcefully was against earlier. So essentially like her determination of her own self-worth. Right. Yeah, I think to an extent, definitely. I think it's a combination because when we talk about her confidence, it has so much to do with the way she was treated by the media and the public, right? Like we're talking about that specifically as a separate entity from the way she was treated in relationships. I think when you combine those two things and you expect somebody's self-worth to not take a hit, yeah, that's exactly what you're saying. You're 100% right. But I do think it's a combination of both of those things rather than one or the other. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay, next scene, Scott is still laying out by the pool. And this is when Chris says to Caitlin, I'm just not a Scott fan at all. Caitlin says, Scott's the father of the child, so you better get used to that. Chris says, I'm not going to get used to it. Caitlin goes, you're going to drive her away and your grandchild. And Chris says back, 
okay, well then she's going to be over there with somebody who's not motivated, who doesn't have a job, who doesn't have anything to do in life, who doesn't get up every day and is excited. And why am I the only one that notices there's something weird about this whole thing? He's not motivated enough to take care of my grandchild and he doesn't deserve that responsibility. He needs to get it together and I don't need to get used to anything. Okay. What's so interesting here is that in so many ways, the energy that Chris is exuding is the exact energy that everybody immediately associates with Chris Jenner. However, we think of that in terms of how she is in a business meeting, in a boardroom, in that type of situation. This is, in my opinion, and tell me if you agree, the antithesis of how we view her as it applies to the men that her daughter chooses to date. Yes. This is not how Chris would react anymore to this circumstance. That's exactly what I was saying before, that if Chris was put in this circumstance again, where she felt like the father of the child that her daughter was with was not reaching their full potential, she would sit down with them and say, let's come up with a plan because if you are going to be taking care of my grandchild, I'm not leaving anything up to chance. Like essentially like she would be able to put, I don't know if it's necessarily her pride, but I can't think of a better word than that aside to say like, I don't have to agree with the way you live your life, but I do have to step in and help you change it. Right. And I think your point from earlier about how she didn't consider Scott family at this point was definitely factored into that somewhere. It had to have been. I There's just no way. But also, I think, like we were saying earlier, the more situations she realized that she was going to have to encounter of things not going as smoothly as she may have liked, that this attitude was just never going to be one that was sustainable. Definitely. Okay. So quickly, we're introduced to the concept of Chloe and Chris house hunting. We'll get back to that in a second. But the one thing you just have to know here is that this was kind of in Chloe's mind, and it's true, it was her first duty as a wife. And so she was so excited to you know, find a home for them. But I think also so much of their relationship was just her being so happy and proud to kind of like do things, quote, for him. And so I think because he obviously couldn't be there, she genuinely was so happy to be doing this kind of on their behalf. Oh, absolutely. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. So the other plot line is going on here, like we kind of touched on in the beginning, is the fact that Kim is really still mourning the breakup from Reggie. And I think what's really happening here, it's not that she doesn't miss him, of course she does, but it's more so, I think her identity was more intertwined with him and his than she kind of realized. And so she's definitely finding a lack of motivation as it applies to her career, which 
is so shocking for all of us to witness, but probably the most shocking for Chris. And so when Chris walks into Kim's condo and she sees that it's a mess, again, of course, intensified for the show, but still representative of kind of at least what she was going through, Chris has this moment of like, no, you need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and get over this. And she says to Kim, and I quote, this isn't like you. Of all the people in our family, you're the most business-oriented person and the hardest working girl I know. And what happens here is Kim responds to her by saying, you know, she's been taking a few days off and trying to reevaluate what's important in her life. And obviously we know how this all ends. Kim is a billionaire and clearly she stayed on the business-oriented track. That being said, what was going on here was a very real battle between somebody, in my opinion, genuinely considering if having such a vested interest in her career was going to negatively impact her romantically forever. Like I do think she questioned it. I think it was dramatized for this scene, but I think these were genuine thoughts that were going through her mind. Thank God you clarified how this all ended. I was, I had no idea. <laughs> it was like this week in the Kylie Cosmetics YouTube thing when you were saying that you obviously know how it ends, but you could watch every second of the documentary. That's how I felt. Right, exactly. That's exactly the energy you just gave off. Also, this scene has the exact same energy as when Kylie was so sick and Chris was like, just get on the plane. Like, just get on the plane and come to Paris. And Corey was like, I think you need to maybe be a mom for one second. Yes. I oh, I that was a good episode. Great episode. Yeah, we never really see that anymore, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, and even this, like, I don't think that Chris was giving off that exact same energy because this was, I think, Chris doing both the momager and the mom thing because to walk into Kim's apartment and see it a mess and she's in, like, this traumatized, overly baggy yellow shirt. Like, if I ever saw Kim in a baggy yellow shirt, I would call the cops. So, like, I understand Chris's concern here and also Chris's desire as a mother to be like, okay, it's time to get it together. Seeing Kim in a stained shirt, even if the stains were put on one minute before they started filming, really did something to me. That is just not a vibe that we ever see her curating. That was the most dramatized thing ever. Like It was literally like they sat in a room and the producers were like, what do you think it would look like if somebody stereotypically went through a breakup? And everyone threw out ideas. They were like, fast food on the coffee table, a big yellow stain on a shirt. Like <laughs> That is exactly what happened. Like It'll smell in the apartment and Chris will notice that. Like Why did they have fast food just sprawled out on the coffee table from multiple different places too? Right, but also keep in mind, Kim was in full glam. Full glam. Right. Okay, so Chris is now having family game night because she thinks it'll cheer Kim up. The thing that I just want to touch on here, if you watch the episode, you know, they're playing charades and Chloe has to act out deadbeat dad and she basically points to Scott. And this is the point where Courtney just absolutely loses it. And she says in her confessional, Scott's putting in an effort. He's trying to be cool with everyone. And Chloe just always has to go there and it's not funny. And she basically says to them, why would he subject himself to you guys talking shit about him when this isn't even his family? And they pretty much just leave. And like, again, intensified for the show. Yeah. But also Courtney was genuinely angry. I have to say it was nice to see Courtney defend Scott like this. I loved it. Like, and I'm sure those were two very opposing feelings for Scott because on one hand, it's like he wanted to make Courtney very proud and like wanted to 
wanted to almost reward her for the fact that she was defending him to the family. And I am sure that felt really good for him because it wasn't something that he was used to. But at the same time, you have every other member of the family so down on him. And I think there's always this assumption that like when people are really down on you, you have this innate need to prove them wrong. And I think we just assume that everyone has that. And I don't think Scott had that. I think he kind of had it as he matured and got older. But I think that we hit a point with Scott where it was just like, well, if everybody thinks I can't do it or if everybody thinks I can't be this man and this father, then I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. I actually think that that's that's accurate. And to your first point about a little bit of a conflicting thing in his mind with Courtney, that really feeds directly into the next scene. Because when they're at their condo and Courtney kind of proposes to him the idea of, you know what, let's just up and leave to New York. And yes, she's definitely being a little bit dramatic, but it still seems like a thought process that's going through her mind, kind of just like, I don't want to be surrounded by this negativity. Scott literally says to her, quote, I know, trust me, I would love us to have our family there, but I think you're overreacting. And I appreciate you being upset for me, but just because they disapprove of me can't mean you're going to get up and move across the country. You've got a lot going on here and a lot going on with your family. Which I have to say, were they ever going to move? No. That being said, what a mature way to handle this, because I think a truly manipulative guy would have caught on to even an ounce of her having that thought process and fucking ran with it. Oh, yeah. I thought that too. I was really impressed with Scott throughout this whole episode, and I know that we're kind of getting into there of really Scott at maybe his worst, but the behavior that he showed specifically in this episode as like an isolated entity, I was so impressed with him. Yeah. And you know when she says, listen, I've done it before. I, I went away for college. And he's like, yeah, but you're not in college anymore. And she goes, I mean, we'll figure it out. I just feel it wouldn't be a bad idea. And he says, you got to remember, I've also been dealing with this for years and I do it for you and I'll keep doing it for you if it makes you happy. Which again is another indicator. This is not something we should be praising him for. This is how he should handle it. That being said, do you know how many people, how many men and how many people in general would have approached this like, listen, it's me or them. And that is not what he did. He did not make it any harder for her. If anything, the one that made it the hardest for her was Chloe. Right. And just to that point, like, I think there are a lot of people who have very tough relationships with their, like, partners' families. And so there are a lot of circumstances where the desire to say, I'm just, I can't be in the same room with them, or I don't want to do this anymore, we have to separate our time, is like, a very understandable one a lot of the times. And there are a lot of points throughout this episode where if Scott said, you know what, I'm not going anywhere. We're not moving to New York. I know it's not what you want, but let me just separate myself from your family and not make an effort anymore. Like, I do think that that would have been an understandable approach and probably an approach that a lot of people would have taken. Oh, totally. No, you're right. It's a really important point to make how like basically boundary setting you're saying, right? Like if you feel you need to remove yourself from that toxicity, that doesn't automatically make you manipulative. No, I completely agree. It's not always an ultimatum and sometimes it actually is the right move, but he just really wasn't doing either actually. Right. Yeah. I really like this episode more than I even thought I did now that we're talking about it. Well, you don't say. (laughs) Okay. So Chloe is house hunting now. And I want to start out by saying, I'm sure you all picked up on this. The broker that they're with is Josh Altman, obviously from Million Dollar Listing. And we always talk about how we love a reality TV crossover. And just recently when Isabel and I were recapping Houses in New York, the matchmaker that they went to, I'm watching and I'm like, she looks so familiar. And I Googled it and it turned out that she was on Real World and that's how it was from. So this was kind of one of those moments. Of course, I knew Josh Altman the second I saw it, but 
you know, now he's a huge deal in LA. He's one of the top brokers, but back in the day, this was probably so cool for him. I'm not going to say this about specifically Josh Altman because even I recognized him, but you are so fucking good at placing the most random one episode characters in where they appeared for the first time in another one episode random thing. I know. It's because I'm a super recognizer. It's like a very weird talent that I have. It's unbelievable. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I don't recognize anybody's face. So like it always blows me away, but like you really take it to another level. Thank you so much. <laughs> so this house is a little bit over budget and Chloe calls Lamar to kind of give him the details. And Chris takes the phone. She's like, listen, let me talk to him. She goes, hi doll. It's Chris. Here's what I think. It's sexy. S-E-X-Y. Championship style. You know what I'm saying? A basketball player needs to live in this house. And this is happening while Josh Altman is looking on in just, I think, admiration at the idea that he would get this commission. But watching Chris Jenner try to sweet talk Lamar Odom into buying this house in the midst of obviously a very severe recession was really just a reality television moment that I'm so glad was documented. I was going to say reality TV gold. It really was. It, it so, so was. I remember it so clearly. And the way that Chris used to like speak to Lamar in general, where she tried to seem so cool to him, is uh, is like burned into my mind. Championship style, baby. A basketball player needs to live here. <laughs> no, it's too good. That's hilarious. It's It's so funny. It really is. So the next scene, this is when Kim has a really big photo shoot and she's just not in the mood. And she's saying in her confessional, like she's not there mentally. She can't really focus on her professional life because she's so concerned with what's going on in her personal life. And she's saying to Chris, like, I just can't do this. I never complain about a shoot, but I just can't do it today. I want to cry every second. And you can see she's genuinely upset. And she says to the room, like, I just want to apologize to everyone. I'm just really not feeling good today. They call it a wrap. And In her confessional, Chris says, you know, I can only imagine what Kim's going through and trying to work out things with Reggie is becoming even more stressful. There's a lot of stuff going on and she's feeling a little bit lost. And I have to say that it was really, it took me back a second because in this one scene when she's talking to Chris, she says verbatim, I just really don't care about my career anymore. I feel like it's costing my relationship. I don't want to do it anymore. Again, like I said earlier, spoiler alert, that does not withstand. But to even just hear Kim say those words is so foreign to the way that I view her. Like it is so deeply the opposite of every single thing that she embodies to me. So I was just thrown for a loop for a second. Oh, completely. Even hearing her say that, and I obviously remembered that quote, I don't think it hit me as hard because the view that I have of Kim's work ethic now versus then is obviously not the same. Even though then I saw her as a very hard worker and a hustler and like she was really doing her thing then, it's just much different than it is now. So to hear her say that in retrospect was like jarring. Right. But also, you know, I think us specifically watching the show, we took them seriously to an extent. And obviously we were very much on board with this fame and this business that they were building, but still you just naturally didn't take him as seriously when it came to business. So now it's it's normal that we would look at it totally differently. Oh yeah, absolutely. So next scene, Chloe brings Lamar to the house and 
her and Josh are definitely trying to convince him, which Lamar picks up on immediately. He even makes a comment to Josh, like, okay, I see you with this persuasive language. But there's this one moment where she takes Lamar into the closet, which is, of course, a big, beautiful closet. And she's showing him, like, okay, that'll be my side. This will be your little section. And talk about a tangible example of how their entire mindset has changed just in something as small as a closet. Like, in what world would they ever share a closet with their spouse? No, never. Ever. It was interesting watching them interact in this episode because it was the first time we've seen them interact since the wedding. Right. This was the first time that they were doing like a quote real life thing because even the wedding to me didn't feel like it, they were in it together as much because Chris kind of took over most of those roles. Right. And now we're seeing them. And again, this scene is very short. The amount of time Lamar is in the episode four isn't super long because he obviously has basketball going on and all of the things that come with that, which keeps him very busy. But to even get the little glimpses of it as their first like couple of weeks as a married couple is beyond interesting to look at. Yeah. Although I will say, if you had asked me at the wedding how they would be in handling these situations, this is exactly what I would have predicted. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Kind of like Lamar is just... I hate to use this term, but she said it and I think it's so true. I, I never, ever use this. It's kind of like Lamar is her king and she is his queen and they behave in that exact way, don't you think? That's, and that's exactly how they would have described it at the time too. So I don't think you're like at all wrong in saying that. No, I, I don't think I am either. I just I just personally never use those terms. No, and, and nor would I in, in any regular situation. But I guess <laughs> when it comes to Chloe and Lamar, it's applicable. <laughs> Okay, next scene is Caitlin and Kim. And Caitlin says in her confessional, I know Kim's been really upset about Reggie, and sometimes it's good if you just get away with your daughter, just the two of us, and do a little talking. And so it's so funny because Caitlin takes Kim to the Adidas store, which is, you know, one of Caitlin's safe havens at the time. And of course, the first thing that Kim sees is a poster of Reggie for his Adidas ad. And like, it's just so funny because Kim is talking in her confessional about how, you know, everywhere I go, I just see him. And that is her reality. But as if that's even like a remotely relatable problem that most people would have, you know? But by the way, imagine how he feels. Oh, Reggie, you mean? Yeah. Like she, she had to go out of her way to an Adidas store to see him. He had, all he has to do was like walk down the street and there's like a million things of her, even at this time. Yeah. But I guess pretty much from now on, that's the case for all of them with their exes because they only pretty much exclusively dated famous men. Right. Anyway, on the car ride home, this is when Kim kind of has her aha moment because Caitlin's explaining from the athlete's perspective of like, listen, you have to be selfish if you want to get to the place that Reggie wants to get to. And I think Kim is really receptive to what Caitlin's saying because she sees the life that Caitlin has been able to create even after that. And so I think it just shifts her perspective of like, this is just a moment in time and Reggie needs to be selfish and I kind of need to also. And I do think that this was a transformative conversation. I do too, specifically because it allowed Kim to take the blame off of herself. Like Kim was saying before, when she was like, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. I feel like my career is costing me my relationship. She needed to have the understanding of like, it's not just your career that's causing a rift and causing an issue for your relationship here. Reggie also has a career that he is very devoted to as well. Yes. And I also love scenes like this where Caitlin's past gets to be highlighted within the family because I oftentimes feel like 
the level of accomplishments that she got to and how big of a deal she was at her time kind of fall to the wayside because so much of the focus is on building their brand, which is great. And it's so amazing that she was able to allow them to do it. But like, this was a moment where Caitlin was probably the best person for this job because she could only speak to it from this perspective. Nobody else had that firsthand experience of what it's like when you were one of the best athletes in the world. So I kind of just love when Caitlin gets to like flex her ethos because she doesn't normally get to do it within this family. Absolutely. Yes. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blank and I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The next scene is kind of just a continuation on that because we see Kim at her condo with Courtney, Scott, and Rob, and she's going through the motions. So she's taking down the photos, not in a depressing way, kind of just in, I think, a very transformative healing and almost cathartic way of kind of like turning over this new leaf. After that, the next scene that we see is Chloe and Chris on the phone because Chloe is telling Chris, listen, Lamar's not that down for $2 million over budget. And Chris immediately goes into that mode that she sometimes has of like, listen, you need to light some candles. You need to put some rose petals on that bathtub, sex them up a little bit, and he will be happy to buy you that house, which I think some could say is a role reversal coming from the mother, but it is so on par with Chris. This is the version of Chris that made them famous. I miss it. Me too. Uh, She still has it a little bit in her. She totally does. We just don't see it as much. Right. Especially in regards to her kids. She definitely, you definitely see that side of her not just the sexual side, but the sexual side to get something you want come out when it's with Corey. But just in terms of like this wild advice that she would sometimes give her kids that was so out of pocket, like that is what made them fucking famous. Yeah. She was shameless. It was so good. It it didn't get better than that. I remember watching that scene being like, I cannot believe a mother is saying that to her daughter right now. Yes, but but in pure amazement and zero judgment. Yes, exactly. Like in all of the best ways. Yeah. Because it was it was complemented by how dedicated she was and how clearly good of a mom that she was. So it, you never felt like it was being overshadowed by this. Right. I mean, it had the exact same energy as you're doing amazing, sweetie. It has the exact same energy as when I saw Kim doing Playboy as her mom, I wanted to kill her, but as her manager, dot, dot, dot. 
Right. And listen, I'm sure people could be critical of this particular scene, but just in general, I have always said this. I think I made this point a few episodes ago and I would love to hear it from the kids and specifically from Kylie and Kendall. I have to imagine that Chris's entire approach to sex is something that they are thankful for because it definitely, one, made them not fear it. And two, I have to imagine it made them have this more sex positive upbringing and not feel like it's something to be ashamed of. Yeah, I think so too. So the reason that this next scene is important, it's because it's, you know, just the conversation that Chloe's having with Lamar, where he basically tells her, listen, we're in the middle of a recession. I think that we can find something a little bit more realistic is because when she hangs up, she immediately tells Caitlin about the conversation. And when she's kind of recounting it to Caitlin, the way that Lamar is being so logical and so grounded really jumps out. And I think Caitlin's having this moment where she's like, I like this guy more and more by the second, because as she says in the scene, you know, sometimes your mom, meaning Chris, can get a little bit ahead of herself. And I think Caitlin is just so happy that Chloe married someone who wants to reel her back in and wants to bring her back down to reality because it could have gone one of two ways. Yes, absolutely. You're so right. Okay. One thing to keep in the back of your mind as we go to the next few scenes, this is when Courtney and Scott are on the walk and they're going to the doctor's appointment really soon. They're going to find out the sex of the baby. And Scott takes it upon himself to call the family and invite them all to come. So just keep that in the back of your mind because obviously- like we were saying earlier, that was a gesture that was very intentional, not something he had to do, but something he, I think, wanted to do. Don't you feel that way? I definitely do. Because again, like if he didn't want them to be there for himself as well, I don't think this was just about Corny. I think the approval of the family was something he deeply, deeply craved at the time. And so if it's not like Courtney was saying she was so upset. Like this is something that was really bothering Scott himself. And obviously he knows Courtney well enough to know that this is probably bothering her as well. But this is when that Scott that's just like has this desire for a family around him really jumps out even in these early seasons. Oh, totally. And keep in mind, like his parents were still alive during these seasons, but they weren't there. So it's so natural that of course the family that is surrounding them, meaning in California, he wants to be present. So he wants to mend it, you're right, for his sake also, and honestly, for his kid's sake. Yeah, definitely. So we flashed to Kim's shoot for a second, and this was her first fragrance. And, you know, she's kind of reinvigorated and she's excited again about pursuing her business. But I had this moment when I was watching it of like, this really is, in certain ways, where this all started. Because that fragrance for her was really representative of a really big milestone. And when she says here, you know, this has been a dream for so long, it really has been. It's not like a celebrity that's so famous and just gets offered a fragrance. This was something that she has always wanted to do. And we see it has carried on. And it's funny because do you remember as recently as a few years ago, Kylie said still her favorite perfume in the world is this one, Kim's first one ever. Yeah, I do remember that, which is so funny. I, I wish I had that one. I, I never had it. Did you? No, the only one I have is like Kim's Naked Body. You like that one. Yeah, I do like that one a lot, actually. And I, I keep it on my bookshelf, too. I don't wear it as much anymore, but I have it like on display. I love falling asleep staring at Kim's Naked Body. <laughs> I just can't buy a perfume without smelling it. Right. Like, that one was naked. a gift. Yeah, I'm just saying like it could be my favorite celebrity in the world and nothing could convince me to do that because I'm so specific with that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. Anyway... So Scott and Courtney are at the doctor's appointment and at first they think nobody's coming and then 
you know, Robert Crane's assistant walks in and says, actually, your family's here. The entire family, with the exception of Chloe, walks in. And the joy is just very real. And to have them all in the room when they find out that they're having a boy, which obviously it's so hard to watch this and not just envision Mason, it was really, really special. They had me for a second. For a second, I was like, I can't believe they're not going to show up. And then they came through that door and I was like, I fucking knew they would never miss this moment. But not Chloe. Not Chloe, which is maybe the most off-brand thing ever. And I wonder if Chloe still is like, that's a regret of mine. She would never do that now, ever. Never. It was wild that she didn't come. Wild. Similar energy though to Courtney and Chloe take Miami when she found out that Courtney was pregnant and her immediate reaction was not one of congratulations, but one of pure anger that Scott was now going to be a permanent figure. She hated Scott in a way that was kind of unnecessary. Yeah. We got to talk to her about that at some point. Especially because his worst behavior is yet to come. Right. I mean, I, I guess I rationalized it in my head by saying that it was all coming obviously from just a place of protection and love for Courtney. Like it was coming from a good place, but it was just terrible delivery. Yeah, awful. So one of the final scenes, they're back at the house and they're kind of all just talking about how cool it was to be in the room when they found out the sex of the baby. And Chloe is just not happy. And she says in her confessional, I used to care a lot about Scott's feelings, but he screwed up too many times for me to care anymore. If Scott doesn't care, I don't care. And she's kind of trying to convince them saying, you know what? Scott always fucks up and he's good for a couple months after. And then he fucks up again. Do you guys just forget about the cycle beforehand? Anyone? And they're all just trying to explain to her, like, it's not that we're the biggest fans either, but we know that this is the reality. And I think what was so frustrating for them was that it wasn't that Chloe was even behaving aggressively. It was that she wasn't accepting the reality that was just inevitable. Right. And Kim pulls out the line here, which we've heard them say now a million times, which is Scott's going to be in our lives forever. Obviously, that can be interchangeable with any of the father or the mother of the kids in the family. Like they always say that very specifically, like blank is going to be in our lives forever now. But Chloe comes back with, what do you mean? No, he's not. It's a perfect example of not only not having her own child, but meaning not having a niece or a nephew to like really, I think, understand that connection. I don't think she would have ever been able to understand what that truly meant until she was actually seeing the birth of Mason. And clearly Kim had that understanding before Chloe, but I think Chloe's hatred for Scott was so overpowering that the only thing that could solve it was an actual physical child. Right, exactly. Anyway, so they decide to have this family dinner at SGK. They all go, the paparazzi are there. You can see Kim is loving the paparazzi. And they're all getting a little bit drunk, which always scares me because this is when it really gets nasty with Scott and Chloe and they're just going at it. And in Courtney's confessional, she says, Chloe starts getting a few drinks in her and I could already feel the tension coming with Chloe and Scott. It's just making me lose my appetite. And Chloe says in her confessional, my problem with Scott is that he's a con artist. He's annoying. And I mean, honestly, somebody needs to beat the shit out of him. And this is when they get back to Kim's apartment and they're all kind of joking around. And Courtney's just not having it. She wants to leave. She doesn't like the way that Scott's being treated. And Chloe's like not aggressively pushing Courtney, but kind of pushing her to stay. And Scott obviously steps in of like, she's pregnant. Can you stop? And this is when Chloe hits Scott across the face. This was intense. Like, no, it was by no means as intense as the Kim Courtney fight in Chloe's bedroom. But I had a moment of like, holy shit. 
this was intense. And especially in this circumstance, when they're talking about it this many years later and, and Chloe's like, I literally had to go to anger management over this one thing. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, she really slapped him for absolutely no reason. Her and alcohol at this point in her life, I don't think mixed well. Yeah. The alcohol just really exacerbated the anger that she already felt. And I mean, you saw Scott's like, I guess you could call it paternal instincts kick in of like, obviously you would never do anything to harm Courtney. However, I don't like that this is even going on around my girlfriend who is eight to nine months pregnant. Yeah. And Scott was so upset after that happened. For Chloe to have taken it out on him and to hit him like that, you could tell he was just very upset that that even took place. It was so wrong. I mean, it was just objectively so wrong. Yeah, it was. Wow. Wow. I can't believe we're at the end. Scene scene 26. <laughs> Ends with it to be continued. I know. I love it to be continued. This was a good episode. No, you're, listen – now that we've done it, we can say before we started, I, I was looking, I was like, Julia, I don't know if we're going to be able to record a whole episode on this. It was great to watch. And every time I say that and every time it's just not the case. So you were right. Thank you, dear. Anything else you want to mention? That's it, kiddo. Okay. We love you guys so much. Isabel and I will see you for Bravo. Julia and I will see you next week. And as always, thanks for listening. We're so lucky we get to do this. Oh, wait, we're going to put the link in the description. Vote for us for the People's Choice Awards podcast category if you want to. I totally forgot to say that, Um, but that would be amazing. So I'm going to put the link in if you feel so generous. We'd really appreciate it. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.